Today's show is sponsored by Lightstep Incident Response, built on the ServiceNow platform used by over 6,000 companies worldwide. Lightstep Incident Response allows you to scale your incident response team without adding to your monthly bill. With intelligent on-call scheduling and escalations, you get the full context of your service health. Lightstep Incident Response immediately pinpoints issues and uses machine learning to send group text, reducing your time to respond. And you can seamlessly orchestrate alert and incident triage with on-call scheduling across Slack, Teams, Zoom, desktop, and mobile. So get started today with a free 30-day trial of Lightstep Incident Response by visiting lightstep.com slash cloudcast. That's lightstep.com slash cloudcast. And get a free t-shirt after your first alert or incident. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody's doing well. We are getting to the end of July of 2022. The summer is almost done. Uh, not completely done, but for a lot of people, uh, you know, summer vacations have, are going on. I know Europe is going to is going to go into uh, Europe mode here and, and take on August for a, for holiday or vacation. And uh, and then we'll get back to the kids going back to school. You know, usually for most folks, uh, it's typically going to happen uh, end of August, early part of September and so forth. So we're kind of getting uh, past the, the dog days of summer, if you will. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of things happening, whether that's, you know, football or whatever other types of things uh, that you're really into. Um, and uh, but I hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's staying safe. I uh, want to let you know Aaron's feeling much better. Um, he uh, he got the right got the right medicines and the right rest and the right doctoring, and uh, he is uh, recovering well from COVID, and that's good. And uh, yeah, so hopefully everybody's doing well, staying safe, and trying to stay cool. I know it's blazing hot everywhere. Anyways, uh, I want to get to today's Sunday perspective. Um, you know, for those of you that have listened for a while, or at least uh, for the last couple of years, um, we were doing Sunday perspective every Sunday, and Wednesday were interview shows. Uh, we had said earlier in the year we we kind of got backlogged. Uh, we we really did a ton, a ton of interviews for for some reason. I don't know exactly. It wasn't on purpose. Uh, we did a lot of interviews. We had a whole lot of really good topics, good guests, and and I think that's paid off. Um, you, you, we've seen a lot of interest from you. The, the number of listens and shows and downloads and all that have all been up way up this year. And, and so thank you so much for that. Uh, but I think we're going to start getting back into kind of the, the cadence of Wednesday interview and Sunday perspective. Um, I've had some some time to to build up some some backlog of, of ideas and topics for Sunday perspectives. Um, not that the number of guests have slowed down, but uh, I think we, we feel like we can balance it out a little bit better. So today we're going to do Sunday perspectives. Uh, I think we're going to do Sunday perspectives again next week as well. So I think we're going to try and get back into that rhythm. I can't guarantee that we will always do Sunday perspectives. Uh, we may, again, get into a backlog of some really interesting topics and guests. And uh, But today we're going to do Sunday perspectives. So today what I want to talk about is uh, the concept of DevRel or developer relations or developer evangelism or developer advocacy or anything that sort of falls into that category. And I'm going to call it DevRel because that tends to be the, the term that that community tends to use the most. Uh, it's the title people use the most. Um, and I'm kind of you know, my, my thought process was, and as I'm sort of calling this the DevRel dilemma, I actually, at, at some point I was going to kind of title this the, the, the Kelsey Hightower dilemma, but, uh, I have so much respect for Kelsey. I didn't want to sort of call him out because my intention is not to call him out, but I didn't want to put in the title and then have people go, you know, go freaking out and saying all sorts of things. Um, but anyways, um, what I want to do is I want to talk about sort of where we are with developer relations and kind of how we got here. And, uh, you know, some of the, 
the background of this. And I'm not sure if this show is going to be 15 minutes or 35 minutes. There's a bunch of stuff I have sort of mapped out in my brain as to how I want to lay this out. And um, we'll sort of see how it works itself out. But uh, I want to spend some time for those of you that are newer to our community, newer to tech, kind of how do we get here? So we're going to do a little bit of historical perspective and context to sort of figure out how we got here. Because, you know, the reality is, this concept of DevRel, the the name DevRel, even just you know conceptually, this idea hasn't really been around that long. I mean, it's probably been around for around ten years or so. Um, so not that long, uh, especially for those of us that have been around the industry for a lot longer. It's it's a fairly new concept. I want to talk about how we got here. Uh, I want to talk about sort of how it's evolved, and um, and I kind of want to highlight some things that I've heard just over the last six months to a year that, to a certain extent, concern me a little bit. And and I'm going to highlight them as some concerns I have based on some patterns I've seen in the past, some concerns I have uh, based on some comments that people have said about kind of where they want to go with their career and what they're trying to emulate and, and these types of things. Um, and then I think, you know, put some reality back on myself uh, about, you know, just kind of what this new generation, whether it's the age of, of this new generation of folks, kind of how they consume information, how they like to interact with each other the way that they're trying to build personal brands. Like I, I need to sort of balance these things out. So I'm going to try and do all that after the break. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll dive into it. So we're going to dive into sort of uh, a lot about DevRel and what I'm going to call sort of the, the DevRel dilemma right after the break. Today's episode of the Cloudcast is sponsored by Datadog. Bring speed and scale to your security organization. Datadog cloud security platform delivers real-time threat detection and continuous configuration audits across applications, hosts, containers, and cloud infrastructure. Built on top of the observability platform, Datadog brings unprecedented integration between security and DevOps aligned to shared organizational goals. As a listener to the Cloudcast, you can sign up for a free two-week trial to see for yourself how Datadog can elevate your cloud infrastructure security posture by visiting datadog.com security cloudcast. Sign up now and receive a free Datadog t-shirt. That's datadog.com security cloudcast. Today's show is sponsored by CloudZero. For software-driven companies focused on growing margins, CloudZero is the only cloud cost intelligence platform that puts engineering in control by connecting technical decisions to business results. By analyzing cloud services like AWS and Snowflake, CloudZero provides real-time cost insights that help you maximize margins. Engineering teams can answer critical questions like, who are my most expensive customers? How much does this specific feature cost our business? What's the cost impact of re-architecting this application? With cost anomaly alerts via Slack, product-specific data views, and granular engineering context that makes it easy to investigate any cost, CloudZero is your complete cloud cost intelligence platform, connecting the dots between high-level trends and individual line items. Join companies like Drift, Rabbit7, and SeatGeek by visiting cloudzero.com cloudcast to get started today. That's cloudzero.com cloudcast. And we're back. And, you know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I want to I want to kind of frame up this this DevRel situation in a couple of different ways. And I'm going to go ahead and just start sort of contextually um, and historically. I know, you know, I've done this before in past Sunday Perspective show, but I kind of want to put it in perspective. Um, obviously, the concept of a developer has been around for a long, long time. Um, you know, we've had developers of applications and developers of software for, you know, 
more or less as long as there have been computers, right? So, you know, once we started getting into open systems, which for those of you that are younger, you have no idea what that means, but there used to be times when you could only buy hardware and the only software that would run on it uh, from the same vendor, from vendors like IBM, right? So we used to talk about this concept of like closed systems and open systems. Open systems essentially was the time at which you could uh, buy hardware from lots of different companies, mostly x86-based uh, you know, computers and, and servers and so forth. And then we went through a whole phase of you know, different ways in which software was bought, um, whether it ran on Windows. Um, again, some of you may be like, Windows, what in the world? Uh, but yeah, there was entire ecosystems that were built on top of Windows, entire ecosystems that were built on top of uh, Unix software um, that, you know, ran on Sun machines and HP machines and so forth. And then obviously there was the whole phenomenon of, of open source software and everything that happened with Linux and, and all that sort of stuff. But the reality is in the context of this, of DevRel, right, we, we had, uh, you know, previously, you know, people like Microsoft employed lots and lots of people to go off and teach the world, how do you build software? How do you become an expert interacting with Windows? Um, you know, Red Hat had tons of people that were out teaching you how to interact with Linux. And, you know, so the, the function of teaching people uh, new concepts and new ideas uh, and, you know, how to build software, how to customize it, how to, you know, optimize all those things, <clears throat> those have been going on for, for decades in our industry. And, I think if I, if I kind of put this in historical context, where the concept of, of sort of DevRel really came along had less to do with um, a specific technology coming out. It really had to do with with a couple of really sort of business level things. And, and that may seem a little bit weird because, uh, but, but hear me out, right? So we had, uh, you know, we had the internet explosion uh, up through 2001. In 2001, the internet bubble crashes. The internet doesn't crash, but the hype and the funding around it crashes. 2001 to 2008, we have this new phenomenon of, of how applications were built. Uh, we got into some more distributed types of applications because, again, uh, you didn't necessarily have all the money that was going on there. You had companies like Google got started, and you had companies like uh, Twitter got started, and a bunch of things happened. You had... Amazon Web Services got started in 2006. And then we had, you know, financial crash in 2008. And sort of what happened between that late 2000s and early part of 2010 was you had a couple of interesting things happen. You were beginning to see more and more companies that were beginning to realize that as much as whatever they built, whatever they did in the physical world, they were beginning to do more online. Right. So online, better websites, better, you know, eventually mobile applications as, as the iPhone came along and smartphones came along. And then you had this sort of seminal article that was written by Mark Andreessen in 2011 in the Wall Street Journal called Software is Eating the World. And at that point, it was sort of a wake up call because, again, it wasn't written in a technical journal. It was written in the Wall Street Journal. Right. The, the sort of, you know, at the time, the center of the business world. And, you know, it was sort of a wake up call to a lot of CEOs a lot of, uh, you know, kind of thought leaders within organizations that we need to start saying things like, we're no longer a car company, we're a software company. We're no longer a pharmaceutical company, we're a software company. We're no longer uh, a petroleum company, we're a software company. Because they were seeing 
what was happening in the valuation of companies. Uh, you know, we were seeing the rise of Google and the rise of Apple and the rise of, you know, a lot of technology companies, um, you know, in terms of like stock market valuations. And they were beginning to, to finally sort of think through like, oh, okay, if the front door of our store, of our empire, of our retail, or the front door of our, our grocery store, the front door of, you know, whatever is no longer this physical thing on Fifth Avenue in New York or, you know, in this highly desirable location, it is, you know, www.mycompaniesname.com that changes everything. And people started to kind of percolate it and they kind of got it. And then you had, you know, you had other really important article or, you know, books that were written. Stephen O'Grady, who's at Redmonk, one of the founders of Redmonk, wrote an awesome book called uh, Developers, the New Kingmakers. And he began to put together kind of the, the economics behind what it meant to invest in developers, right? So we didn't really think of developers as necessarily people who were differentiating our business in the past, we thought about, well, we bought this ERP system and that differentiates our business. We have this really great email system and that differentiates our business, or we have this really interesting, you know, whatever that differentiates our, our business. You know, Stephen made the case and and previously Mark Andreessen made the case and many others have made the case. The thing that's going to differentiate your business is your ability to write software that will, you know, change the experience that people have with you right? The way that you interact with customers, you interact with your marketplace, you interact with data and, and all these sort of things. And, and at that point, you know, 2013, 2014, uh, you know, we get into things like Docker coming along and, uh, you know, software became a little bit easier to use. Developers started having these sort of free tools that were making things a little easy, easier to use. So, you know, the whole concept of like, I need to focus on developers, um, is is really probably less than 10 years old. And, you know, again, you could argue, hey, you know, Steve Ballmer went out there and went crazy in that video and, and clapped his hands and went nuts and said, developers, developers, developers. Yes, that was about um, getting as many companies as possible to develop software that would run on top of Windows, right? But it wasn't always necessarily thought of as the thing that was going to radically change an industry. It was thought of like, hey, that will give you more tools to maybe make you more productive for your business, right? So again, we, we go through these phases. So contextually, this concept of, hey, we need to be relevant to the developer. So if you were a technology company, you were a technology open source project, we need to be relevant to developers, right? That sort of came into, into fashion in 2013, 14, 15, whatever. And, you know, as with many, many things in technology, you know, companies got into doing that, whether or not it was completely relevant to them or not. And I say that having worked at infrastructure centric companies who their tools, even if they, you know, were software, were never really going to be used by developers, application developers. And so what ended up happening was we started saying, oh, well, you know, everybody using software is now a developer. And this was, you know, there was a lot of, this was when the DevOps sort of thing took off and, you know, it was, <clears throat> well, we're going to, we're going to do infrastructure as code. And so what we did was, you know, the industry as a whole sort of said, well, if developers are the most important thing in the world, and then every technology company or every technology project or every technology centric thing said, well, 
wait, if developers are the most important thing and we're not tied to developers, we need to expand the definition of developer. And hence, we got into things like DevOps and infrastructure as code. And everything that you touch that was software should follow developer patterns. <clears throat> and, and this is all fine because in reality, there was a lot of good thought process. There was a lot of reality. There wasn't just a lot of sort of marketing fluff that went into the idea behind, um, you know, at the end of the day, companies that were very good at building software, managing software, deploying software, making changes to software, if you could do that holistically across everything that touched software, you know, a lot of times those companies were gaining market traction. They were better than their competitors. They were able to innovate faster. And so, you know, we began to see the sort of rise of <clears throat> of DevRel. And, you know, in the context of, you know, people, probably most of the people who listen to this show, probably the most visible person first off that started doing this was a guy named Kelsey Hightower. And whether or not you know Kelsey or not, um, you know, go look him up, <clears throat> do a YouTube search on him, Google search on him. Kelsey, you know, and, and this is meant as no disrespect for Kelsey, <clears throat> Kelsey, for a lot of us who had been around the tech industry and, and felt like we had seen a lot of different aspects of the tech industry, Kelsey sort of came out of nowhere. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative way. He was doing whatever he was doing, and he's told his story hundreds of times in different podcasts. I mean, he was a, you know, he was a very classical story. He was a technologist who, you know, started off working in various types of support jobs, and then he was doing various types of sort of developer jobs, writing scripts, all sorts of stuff, basically making computers work, which a lot of us do in our career. We start off somewhere either fixing computers or making computers work. And he figured out that he had a knack for not only doing that, but also being creative and figuring out stuff that nobody else could figure out. And then the other thing he figured out was, not only am I pretty good at figuring that stuff out, I'm pretty good at explaining it. And so for a lot of people... The first time you you heard of Kelsey Hightower, and again, this was, say, like 2015 or 2014, Kelsey Hightower was working as a product manager at a company called CoreOS, who was one of the early, early days of, of Kubernetes. And he was kind of their first product manager, or at least he was kind of their first visible product manager. And so here was this guy you know, talking about Linux and talking about Kubernetes and, you know, this new technology that was, you know, kind of buzzy and we weren't exactly sure what it meant. And it came from Google. And so you weren't sure if it was going to survive or not. Um, and, and he did this really amazing thing, which was he realized, okay, behind the scenes, this is a really power, this is really powerful technology. And so that was the part of his superpower that was, I can understand technology. I can, I, I've gotten my hands on it. I understand how it works. I'm able to understand stuff that is really new. So that was a superpower. That's hard enough to do as it is. And then the second thing he did was he said, what could I do? to help the community in order to, you know, help them. Cause this is something that, you know, was in his best interest for it to succeed. Um, he obviously, you know, had a, an interest because core OS at the time, his employer was, was behind it. But also I think he felt like this was pretty powerful technology. If it succeeds, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of potential with this. And he went and wrote something called Kubernetes the hard way, which at the time, was a was a really different thing, you know. Uh, let me put it in context. A lot of companies, or even technologists, would would go, well, "Okay, here's something new. I'm going to kind of write some explainers, and then I'm going to kind of, uh, you know, write a best practices." And then we would write, you know, and, and we did this for a lot of times, um, you know, 
20 years ago, 15 years ago, we would write these solution guides, basically like best practice guides. And they would basically be like, here's the technology and here's how you use it. Here's how you should use it. And here's different scenarios that we think are going to be common. And here's, here's how you size it. And here's how you configure it and, and all the stuff, basically kind of a blueprint for how you do these things. Now we did it, uh, as a function that we used to call technical marketing, which, you know, in the, in the big picture of things that we do in technology is sort of a classic example of us taking two things that feel like they're sort of opposite of each other. But if you think about it holistically, kind of have to, to work together. And, and technical marketing was just a, a concept that said, there's going to be times when we have complex technologies that we need to explain to people in various ways, whether it's demonstrations or written best practices or whatever. But we also need to explain it in a way that's not entirely geared just about engineering, but it's also geared towards like, why is this valuable to you? Like, why should you care? And we used to call that domain of job technical marketing or TME or TMM. You know, you would hear these sort of things. And again, it sounded like an oxymoron. You're taking technology and marketing, which everybody thinks is not technology, and you kind of mash them together. Well, that was the <laughs> that was the genesis of what's become DevRel because what Kelsey and Ashley did was he said I'm going to write this thing called Kubernetes the hard way and his intention was a as a learning exercise for himself which we always encourage everybody to do go get your hands dirty with this stuff learn it you know figure it out but he he wrote it in a way that was sort of trying to I think scare people off a little bit but he was also trying to highlight this thing that's so powerful is also very complicated. And I'm going to get to why I'm kind of making this such a long-winded story. And then what he could do is he could go, okay, if you're really interested in Kubernetes, I highly recommend you spend however much time going through Kubernetes the hard way, which is literally, you know, just the pure open source with whatever docs were available and kind of, you know, cut yourself on the jagged edges and bump your head on stuff and kind of be frustrated and realize, you know, this is powerful stuff, but it's still got a long way to go. And then it gave him a vehicle to then compare and contrast that to what they were doing at CoreOS, which was trying to simplify it, trying to, to get rid of all the sharp edges and try and make it as simple as possible. And so it was this really powerful way for somebody to go, I'm going to become an expert in the technology. I'm going to create a interesting communication vehicle to bring people to the technology but then I'm also going to use it as a marketing vehicle to compare it and contrast it to this thing in which he had a vested interest as the product manager for CoreOS to do that. And again, it's the same thing of smart technologist having to learn it, having to explain it, but and then also trying to, to put it in context of value. And at the time, you know, Kelsey didn't call himself DevRel. He just said, hey, I'm Kelsey. And at the time he was the product manager, then he went over and became something at Google <clears throat> because Google was obviously very big into Kubernetes. And the reason I go through that whole long-winded thing is we often see with DevRel or Dev Evangelist or Dev Advocate, again, all these sort of uh, you know terms that get mashed together that are saying the same sort of thing, which is uh, my job is to be an expert in technology but it's also to explain it to people. And, and this is where I think sometimes we struggle with kind of, at least I struggle with sort of the state of where DevRel is these days, because I think it's, it's evolved, right? 
first and foremost, I think we have gone through the sort of uh, naming uh, evolution, right? It, it, event, it, it, it really started off as like developer evangelist, and then people went, oh, I don't know if I really want that term because it seems, seems kind of churchy or religious, and I'm not, I'm not here to do that. I'm not here to preach to you. I'm, you know, I'm here to, it became developer advocate because they wanted to advocate on behalf of developers back to say their company, right? So, you know, they, they would say, well, my job is to, to go off into communities and talk to developers and listen to their pain points and then bring those back to the product teams or the engineering teams that are working on these projects or the community. And, you know, that, that concept, that sort of middleman, um, concept was was well respected because it said you know somebody's got to do this and somebody who is technical enough to be able to talk to developers um, not scare them off um, be able to answer their questions so understand the technology well enough to deal with stuff and then you know also be uh, gifted enough as a communicator to be able to go back to your team or your group or whoever you're representing and say this is a problem we should prioritize it because if we prioritize it and we fix it in certain ways where we take certain uh, feedback, it will continue to delight the developers. Hopefully they will continue to, to use the technology. Right. And, and the implication there was, well, you know, if we're listening to developers, if we're listening to this, this constituency, um, maybe eventually, uh, they will buy our product. Right. Um, and this especially happened in open source. Now, one of the things that, you know, I, I hear a lot from from folks in the Delve Rail space, and they they make it very obvious. Uh, they they want to let you know a lot is we're not marketing. We don't do marketing. We have a marketing group. I am not marketing. And you know, this is a this is an area where I sort of struggle because the reality is you're marketing. There, there's no two ways about it. Um, you know, if if you're working for a company and you're doing Dev Rail, are you selling? maybe, yeah, you are selling to a certain extent, but you don't have a quota and you're probably going to tell yourself you don't sell. Well, the reality is everybody who works for some company sells on, on behalf of what they're doing, right? They're, they're advocating for what they do. Are you, are you building the product? Well, in most cases, no, you're not necessarily building the product. You might be building scripts. You might be building demos. You might be contributing back to the product, but you're not probably not core engineering. Um, So you're not sales. You're not core engineering. You're not the management and leadership team of the company, <clears throat> what are you doing, right? You're out there talking to potential customers. Now, you may not look at them as customers. You may say, well, they're developers, and I don't think of them as customers, and I don't think about them as people that are going to go into my lead funnel or, or any of those things. They're, they're just developers. But the reason you're talking to them is because they've identified that they are interested in what you're working on. So at the end of the day, you are marketing. And, and the more you kind of fight that you're marketing – the more it becomes a struggle to go, well, if you're not marketing, you're not sales, you're not engineering, you're not leadership at the company, then what are you doing? And I only highlight that not to sort of get into some sort of argument with people about, oh, we're marketing, I'm not marketing, you know, whatever. You can do all those things and you can say that you're not something during great economic times. When they're struggling economic times, if you can't justify what you're doing and you can't tell people where you fit in an organization becomes real easy to go, well, then maybe we don't need you, right? So my guidance is always like, you can fight that you're not, you're not marketing because I know, you know, there's the whole saying of you can't market to developers because they don't want to be marketed to. You're marketing. It's okay. You don't have to be offended by that. Now, 
The second piece that I struggle with a little bit with the DevRel, how it's evolved, and and this is really kind of kind of not people's fault, but at the same time it becomes this crutch, and it's this. Back in the day, uh, as an industry, we very much had companies and technologies that sort of fit into swim lanes. These companies and these projects did databases. These companies did networking. These companies built, you know, programming languages. These companies did security or firewalls. You distinctly were, you know, in one of those swim lanes, and you didn't tend to necessarily swim into other lanes. Yes, there were people who would go, yes, I can connect together these servers, this compute with this storage, with this networking. Okay. That was great. Um, it was harder than a lot of people thought, like, right? It's the same sort of thing we have today where people say, well, I'm a, I'm a 10X or a full stack developer. We didn't used to have those types of things, right? Again, we were much more siloed. People had distinct sort of skills and they sort of had an ancillary understanding of what somebody else would do. And, and then sort of this open source explosion happened. Everything sort of happened, like I said, since the last 10 years or so. You have things like the CNCF, which accepts every project under the sun. And, you know, then you start asking your DevRel team to go, well, I need you to go off and do a demo. I need you to demo this front-end technology, this middleware technology, this, you know, event-based streaming technology, this uh, back-end storage technology, and overlay some AI technology. And on top of that, maybe sprinkle in some serverless and do a little bit of this because people would go, well, all those things are in the CNCF. And I guess in my mind, I'm assuming that's what the new stack looks like. And if you're representing part of it, well, why don't you just know all of it? And I think this is where we've gotten into a lot of situations where, you know, DevRel people, uh, to a certain extent, sometimes they have to connect some stuff together to sort of show how things work. And and that's a good thing, right? They're They're kind of getting around that. But then there's this expectation. And I think sometimes they put the expectation on themselves that, well, I know everything. I have to know everything. I think in their mind they're telling themselves, "I don't really know everything." I grabbed a, I grabbed a, a demo off of, you know, whatever Stack Overflow that I could find and plug some stuff together. But there becomes this thing where people go, "Well, now I have imposter syndrome. I don't really know everything." And I think the reality is people don't expect you to know everything. Now, again, some of this goes back to this sort of Kelsey Hightower dilemma that's happened, which is I hear a lot of people in DevRel or people that want to get into DevRel go, you know, I want to be the Kelsey Hightower of my space. And to a certain extent, that's an awesome, that's an awesome compliment to to Kelsey. It's an awesome goal to shoot for. Um, You may or may not get to that or not, because Kelsey is a sort of a a unique, a unique industry, a, a unique sort of thing in our industry. But I think the other thing to remember is you know, there, there's a little bit of, of a smoke and mirrors thing that Kelsey does. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. He is such a, such a fantastic speaker. He's such an, an incredible and motivating speaker an articulate speaker. And, uh, he's a very good storyteller that, you know, it's not unusual that he speaks at a developer conference at a data conference at a DevOps conference, he keynotes some other thing. And, you know, because Kelsey's Kelsey and he's sort of challenges himself to go, well, I'm going to try and do this thing. I'm going to try and get COBOL to work in containers. And then over here, I'm going to try and do this thing with Python. I'm going to, the people go, oh, well, in order to be the Kelsey Hightower of this thing, I have to be able to be competent enough to stand up in front of thousands of people on any given week and knock it out of the ballpark and just kill it. And I think the reality is, and you know, 
if you ask Kelsey, Kelsey would probably tell you, and I, I know this from, you know, a lot of really smart people who end up doing a lot of the types of things that Kelsey does. Those folks are going to tell you, look, uh, I got a lot of that stuff working literally last minute before the demo went on, my fingers are crossed, there was some duct tape involved and some bubble gum. And they'll also tell you, look, I might've been the smartest person in the room, but I was only the smartest person in the room by about five minutes because I just learned this stuff. And the thing to take away from that is if you're not, if you don't know all those things, it doesn't make you an imposter. It doesn't, it doesn't give you imposter syndrome. It sort of says you're setting the wrong expectation for yourself, right? Um, you know, Kelsey's worked himself into a situation where I think if you ask anybody like, what's Kelsey's specialty, it's not technology anymore, right? Like he used to be a Kubernetes specialist and and some of the cloud native stuff. He's now a fantastic storyteller. He's really good at learning about learning, but he's not a specialist in the same way he was in 2015, right? The demands on what people want from him have changed and he's evolved with that. It doesn't mean that's what you have to do. If you want to be the the Kelsey Hightower of your area for DevRel, be the Kelsey Hightower first and foremost of 2015 for your area. <laughs> be really good. Figure out a way to know your technology, to to create ways in which other people can learn it at scale, which is one of the things Kelsey did. And then you have a foundation to go, and here's how it can be better. And here's where we can improve it. Here's where we can simplify it. And here's where we can do it. But it doesn't mean that, you know, if you are working on the next Kubernetes, whatever that thing is, that you have to go building stuff in Python and COBOL and and go and and integrate it with an Alexa and do all this, you know, be the Kelsey Hightower of 2015, <laughs> as opposed to getting yourself wrapped up into this, hey, I'm an imposter because I can't do what Kelsey does now. And because if you're starting this thing, number one, you got a learning curve in your own domain, but you also don't know what he's gone through over the last seven plus years, right? Like the evolution of Kelsey is is pretty amazing. And again, I keep coming back to, he's a pretty unique thing and, and you might be the next amazing Kelsey Howard Tower person, but he didn't get there in one day. <laughs> he didn't start where he is right now. Now, the last thing, last couple of things I'll, I'll sort of highlight and this is what's been a smack in the face for me around DevRel to a certain extent, because <clears throat> I've worked with technical marketing people for a long time. And, you know, in our industry, people used to stick around in jobs longer. And they're also used to used to be able to sort of draw a very direct line. You'd go, that's Mike. He's an expert in this. He's working on these technologies and those technologies are relevant to our business. So when he goes out and talks, I have complete confidence that yes, he's going to give go give a, a technical talk about this thing, but anybody in the audience would go, oh yeah, nine times out of 10, Mike is also associating that with the company that he works back with. And that was kind of the way that, that our industry worked, right? You know, so-and-so would get up there, Mike, Michelle, Sarah, Steve, whatever, and they would go, hey, I'm so-and-so, uh, this is my job title, I work for this company. And, you know, and, and people tended to work a little bit longer. And now I think what we see is a couple of things have happened. One, um, people bounce around a little bit more, uh, more frequently. Um, you know, whether that'll happen after the pandemic and the great resignation, we'll see. But it feels like people are bouncing around more frequently. They only stick around for a couple of years. So there's less 
sort of um, connected tissue between the company you work for, the products that you're supposed to be sort of aligned to, and and what you're talking about. So that's that. <clears throat> those fibers have become stretched more than they were in the past. So a lot of times you will see people go, "Yeah, I saw so and so speak. They're a great speaker. What what did they talk about? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. They were just really in, in really interesting, right? So we, we've sort of lost a little bit of that. And then I think the other part of it is something changed a few years ago. Um, you know, and it's been, been four or five years in which, you know, the places where people would go speak, because this is a lot of where DevRel sort of makes a name for themselves. They, they started saying, oh, you know what? Uh, the people running the events, uh, the committees, you know, verifying stuff, they were getting overwhelmed because everybody was like, hey, we got to be out here. Every company's got to be out here. Every, every, you know, every group wants to be out there. And they were pitching themselves in their talks. And, you know, you'd go to conferences before, and there was a lot of talks that were, yes, given by vendors or given by some project. And yes, it would be about what they do, but it was always intended to teach you something, right? It was very rarely just a five-minute commercial or a 20-minute commercial. But what's happened is those committees, in order to sort of counterbalance this or, or go in a very different direction, they've been very, very explicit about, like, there will be no vendor talks. If we if we have any hint that you're talking about your product and you're trying to sort of pitch it, uh, if you will, even if you're just going like, look, we do something pretty interesting with our technology. I think it would be beneficial to the audience to talk about it. And yes, it happens to have a, a you know, a company logo on it or whatever. Those are getting thrown out in, in more cases than not. And so we're getting a lot of DevRel who are having to create a lot of talks about other things. And those other things are fine. They're talking about burnout. They're talking about, you know, teamwork and collaboration and a lot of, a lot of rehashing of the stuff that people are now questioning, like, oh, wait a second, we did that with DevOps. Well, now what is DevOps? Like, we're starting to see that happen with DevRel. And again, some of these are things that are not completely within the DevRel people's control and it's whatever. Now, the good thing is we're seeing more and more of the DevRel community, especially with the pandemic, who have you know, created YouTube channels and Twitch channels and other things that they're doing online in which they can control the content. They're creating podcasts and other stuff. Um, but there's definitely been sort of a disconnect between the the thing that DevRel is representing and what, you know, what that is. And the reason I bring that up is, again, we get back into my sort of diatribe about like, I know you don't think you're marketing, but you're really marketing, is, you know, we're creating a situation in which companies are going to start saying, well, like if the purpose of DevRel is to go be connected to that, but go be connected to those communities, developers and so forth on our behalf, um, but you're not doing it on our behalf, they're going to start kind of questioning why they're investing in DevRel, right? And it, it creates this sort of interesting dilemma. And I had a, an interesting conversation with uh, somebody who works in marketing. Uh, we were talking about sort of how they think about, um, you know, trying to grow a business through marketing, through concepts like top of funnel and demand gen and all these sort of things. And they said, oh, well, one of the things you really need is you need, you know, a few, you know, kind of spokespeople really, you know, they said, oh, it's, it's great to have great dev rel people. And I said, yeah, that's great. I said, what do you do if your dev rel people aren't talking about your product, right? Or even your technology, because a lot of that's getting kind of shut down or muted or disconnected or whatever. And they go, yeah, that's a trend we're seeing quite a bit. And it makes it very, very hard to do that. And again, I only highlight that because 
not to knock on anybody doing DevRel. It's smart people. But I think you you got to remember that at some point you're doing it on behalf of somebody. Now, if you're doing it independently, if you start an open source project and you're really just trying to get the word out, cool. But if you're doing DevRel on behalf of some other company, which 95% of you are doing, um, be careful. Um, when you start getting away from the thing that connects you back to what pays for you and so forth. And again, this shouldn't be just about job or you, you know, sort of go, well, you know, I'm independent on my own, on my own brand and my own thing. Um, you know, it, it does create a situation in which companies can't afford to not have DevRel, but on the flip side, can they afford to have DevRel? And anyways, so uh, I'm over the 30 minute mark. Um, I feel like I've gotten a lot off my chest. I've sort of tried to put some things in context. And again, this this is not intended to sort of say DevRel is bad. Uh, I, I really kind of try to put this together in the context of, you know, how we got here, why we started doing DevRel in the first place. Because again, the, the industry at the business level started saying, oh yeah, you know, what developers can do and customize for our business and create and, and do interesting things for our business is probably really important. So we should be hiring those people. We should be trying to create good situations for them to, to do things for the business. Um, and then, you know, the, the technology entities, the projects, companies, whoever started saying, Hey, how do I get connected to them? And I, I feel like to a certain extent, we've gone through some, some phases that have been really good and really healthy. And we've seen a lot of really interesting people and, and interesting ways of, of connecting with stuff. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, I, I feel like we're starting to develop some bad habits, if, if you will, around the DevRel thing. Um, and I put some things in the show notes uh, in terms of, you know, kind of some goods and some bads and some best practices and so forth. And my only guidance to the folks that are in the DevRel community, having lived in the technical marketing community for a long time, um, be careful. Because at the point where developers say you're not technical enough and marketers say you're not helping me market what I do, well, if the developers love you, but you're not connected back to the people that you're supposed to be relling on behalf of, um, you, you get yourself into some weird situations and I'll leave it at that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, we love having DevRel people on the show. We've had them on for a long time. This is not a, an anti DevRel sort of rant, but, um, you know, again, being an old guy and having been around this industry for a long time and sort of seeing certain patterns, um, it's just, a you know, a hygiene thing. Be careful out there, uh, especially, again, if you haven't lived through when times get tough or when things get kind of questioned, um, you want to be in yourself. You want to put yourself in a good position and and be providing value in, in whatever you do, uh, whether it's, you know, on, on one side of dev or the other side of rel or whatever. Um, just make sure that that you're aligned to things that that people that are connected to you feel are valuable. So with that, I'll wrap it up. Uh, wow, <laughs> this is a long Sunday perspective. I, I wasn't sure if it was going to go long or not. Um, it was good to sort of think through a lot of those things because I think uh, there's a lot of connected tissue there. So anyways, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, my voice is getting a little raspy, which means I've definitely been talking for way, way, way too long. Thanks for anybody who is still listening. Uh, thanks for everybody who listens every week, tells a friend, helps us grow the show, helps us grow the community. 
uh, helps us find great guests, uh, gives us feedback. And uh, it's good to be back doing Sunday Perspectives. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 